0: This week on The Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast, we are talking about Simon Cameron and Lincoln's decision to fire him. Now, now, now. Not five, not four, not two, just three.
1: The Rail Splitter,
0: axe in hand, looking out at a frontier of hope and possibility. Boom.
1: Excellent. And party on, dudes!
0: Welcome to the Rail Splitter the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. My name is Jeremy. With me today are Rail Splitter Mary.
1: Hey, Rail Splitters, what's happening?
2: And Rail Splitter Nick. What's up, Rail Splitters? Hopefully, you're doing uh, excellent. Watching, you know, like the, the grass grow again.
0: Yeah, there's some green. We're able to see some green. It's been beautiful weather here in uh, north central Illinois, so um hopefully it's spring is starting to spring wherever you are. We're, you know, giving up an hour this weekend, which
1: sucks. <laughs> but... I hate that. I am such a fucking zombie for that entire week. I hate mm-hmm. the time. To- I mean, I love the fact that it's lighter in the evenings, but I just feel completely out of it for an entire week. Yeah. So I, bad. I, uh, so bad. More more out of it either, than I just, usually do, I guess. I
0: don't know. I get so thankful in the fall, though. <laughs> get, yeah. When you get an hour that, um, but yeah. So we'll we'll be losing an hour here, and uh, I think is that everywhere? Or it's the United States? I don't know.
1: No, it's in um, Canada too.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: There there is some um, bill going on in Canada to try, or no, there's some bill going on in North America to try and get it just at whatever standard or daylight savings time to stay and. Mm. We're waiting on, like, one province and two states to agree to it, and then we can just never have to change the clocks again, which would, be, which would be okay with me. Mm-hmm.
0: So we don't have a whole lot of Lincoln news this week. I know there is uh, still an ongoing conversation about um, including Lincoln and other figures in statue and naming rights removal. We've talked about that a handful of times, so we're probably not going to really talk about it tonight. Um. And other than that, we have not seen a whole lot of Lincoln in the news. Of course, the uh, "Divided We Stand" documentary is is pressing on. I'm a little bit behind on the old DVR uh, or whatever they're called, whatever that's called these days. Um, so he is on a news channel, but uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of Lincoln news to talk about. So we can go ahead and jump into a super super in depth analysis of the uh, United States Minister to Russia, um, Simon Cameron. Uh, That's a little joke. He was Abraham Lincoln's (laughs) minister to Russia um, as a um, pretty significant demotion. um, And he was only in that position for a handful of months. Um, But uh, of course, he was the first secretary of war for Abraham Lincoln um, after being a senator from Pennsylvania. And we're going to break down what his role is, how he got fired. We originally had this idea when the forty-fifth president had been going through a slew of firings himself. Um, talking about how Lincoln also fired um, some cabinet members, or you know, some cabinet members left. Some were asked, and some were not. Um, so to try to talk about Lincoln's um, decisions there, and then of course there was the rash of resignations at the end of the you know the last president's term, and um, you know, looking at. Um, this one in particular, because it's so important, obviously war being very important for Abraham Lincoln's presidency, but um, uh, Edwin Stanton being an extremely important figure in Lincoln's leadership. Um, so the fact that he did not start the, his administration with Stanton, Um, is interesting. So who did he start with? He started with someone named Simon Cameron uh, who came from the Senate in Pennsylvania. So uh, Mary did a bulk of the research for today's show, so I'm going to turn it over to her to give us a little bit of uh, an introduction to our friend Simon.
1: So Simon Cameron, Lincoln's first Secretary of War, as Jeremy said, it was not Stanton. Um, Cameron doesn't have the greatest reputation. Um, Lincoln he quote unquote fires him, but not really. He does it in a way that would very much be Abraham Lincoln in getting rid of somebody, but not really getting rid of them. Um, So Cameron is described by Ronald C. White as having a dignified bearing. He's tall with a high, broad forehead, abundant gray hair and intense gray eyes. People sometimes initially regarded him as aloof, but changed their minds as he proved himself a person of ability. So he was very well-spoken. So, Who is Simon Cameron? He was born in Maytown, Pennsylvania in 1799. Not much is known about his childhood. He's the third of five sons, and he has three younger sisters. He might have been orphaned at the age of nine, but again, there's not much known about his early life. Um, Apparently, he was apprenticed by a printer named Andrew Kennedy, um, editor of the Northumberland Gazette, and this may have started when he was around nine years old, which means he would have been a journeyman printer by the age of 16, which means... A journeyman means you are fully skilled in your trade um, so in this case as a printer he's fully skilled um, so before his political career um, that's mainly what he's known for is his being in politics he does invest heavily in publishing banking manufacturing and railroads and this also provided him with insight into the key areas of infrastructure within Pennsylvania which is going to help him later on in life and During this time, he accumulates quite a bit of money. um, And after this is when he gets involved in politics. Um, So between 1825 and 1827, um, he's serving as the state printer of Pennsylvania. And he's also involved in the construction of several rail lines, which eventually get merged into the Northern Central Railway. And his son ends up becoming the vice president of this. In 1832, he um, he founds the Bank of Middleton. And in 1838, he is appointed commissioner to settle the claims of the Winnebago Indians. And this will later come back to haunt him politically um, because he acquires the unfortunate nickname of the Winnebago chief because he apparently cheated the tribe in supply contract. And as we are going to see, scandal is something that's... Uh, Mars Cameron, quite a bit
0: yeah, that's uh the Winnebago's um, native area is right here, actually, Nick and I are currently sitting in Winnebago County, Illinois, not far from Winnebago, Illinois, the town there's like a Winnebago county, and I think I know there's one in Wisconsin, I think there's also one in Indiana, but anyway, so yeah, that's they we're over here, so thank you, Simon Cameron for. Or actually not thank you thanks but no thanks i should say
1: um so yeah i agree oh, go ahead
2: nick <laughs> <laughs> oh look my mic's working i had to chime in to see if my internet was better
1: what are you agreeing with
2: i was just chiming in to see if my stuff was working mm-hmm. uh we that yeah we are in uh winnebago county that's where me and Boyce are located right now um so yeah everybody just so you're aware of that <laughs>
1: Uh, Very good. <laughs> um, so in so Cameron in politics, so he begins his career as a Democrat um, with the support of the campaigns of Andrew Jackson and Martin Van Buren. In 1845, he creates the coalition of insurgent Democrats and mainline Whigs when the Democrats um, fractionalized or whatever that I'm not sure what what happened there, but that sounds like uh, something not great happened that he's having to do something like that. Um, He was a member of the know nothing party before finally joining the Republican party in 1856. Um, And he is an opponent of slavery. Um, So he's, I don't know if we can consider Cameron an, an abolitionist. He does do something when he's with Lincoln's cabinet that would seem like he is, but I don't know if he would be lumped into that. What do you guys think? Do you think he would be considered in the abolitionist, you know, kind of like Seward?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think this is something that, that I kind of learned a little bit more about that um, interested me, that one of the things he did that irritated Lincoln was be more outspoken in his abolition before Lincoln was ready to be that outspoken in his abolition. Um, and that's, I think, a, a big component. A big um, contributing factor to him leaving leaving the Democrats, Simon Simon Cameron leaving the Democrats and joining the Know Nothings was his um, his abolition. So um, I think that it's important to note that that uh, you know I think sometimes abolitionists get 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 perhaps too um, too favorably looked upon as like being you know these saints, but you know just because you have the lowest level of policy from a humanitarian standpoint um he was not above stealing or um nepotism or you know other forms of corruption but he was he wasn't abolitionist so um you know that does not give him a pass on uh, some other uh some other mistakes some other evil <laughs> whatever you want to say so um so yeah he uh you know he was you know one of those jacksonian democrats for for quite some time and when enslavement became more and more divisive he uh he split because of abolition
2: his biggest crime though was being a know-nothing
1: who else was part of the know-nothings nick
2: that joker that ass from buffalo (laughs) millard fillmore and i vomited when they mentioned him in the lincoln doc
1: (laughs) i laughed when they did i'm like oh my god
2: i did vomit but yes, I also kind of chuckled uh, when he was mentioned. You try to condense it that much. You could have cut Fillmore out. Give uh, you know a couple more <laughs> seconds to the. You know what they could have done with that time? I because I hadn't watched last time we recorded. I just want to bring this up. This is a side rant. I apologize. They could have given more time to the damn title screens that they keep putting up for those historians. Are those not the quickest <laughs> nameplates you've ever seen? They are. I can't even read half of them. It's like so, it's like. It, like if i didn't know who uh you know um
1: megan kate nelson
2: yeah like and then you can't even like get her whole name let alone where she's from so dude that really irritated me it is really bad that first 10 minutes of episode one okay sorry that's been bugging me for like three days
1: now that nick feels better we are going to get back to our regularly scheduled program of simon (laughs) cameron (laughs) Thank you for the commercial break. No, I'm just kidding, Nick.
2: You're break. welcome. I'll go on another <laughs> rant when we need a break. Okay.
1: And now for a break, we're going to listen to Nick have another. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Cameron uh, is a senator in the 1840s, 1850s. Um, in the 18, in 1860, though, at the Republican National Convention, this is where he comes into, um, you know, kind of starting his way with Abraham Lincoln. So he controls a large uh, Pennsylvania delegation, um, even though he, didn't, he doesn't stand a chance in hell of winning the nomination. Um, but he's controlling the votes here, and he ends up in one of the rounds going over to Abraham Lincoln and basically being like, here, you can have the votes. They're all yours. Um, but, of course, Lincoln is not there. It's his campaign managers. So they say to him, Okay. We'll give you a cabinet position. And the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so that's how he ends up becoming Secretary of War is because he gives the votes over to Lincoln.
0: Well, yeah, and I think this is an extremely important event in Lincoln's political life, you know, especially when everybody seems to be pretty quick and, and rightly so, to 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 say if Simon Cameron is, you know, was corrupt and was horrible, but like there's two ends of corruption, right? Like um, it's not, he, you know, him doing a, a, a backroom deal to exchange delegate votes in exchange for a cabinet position. Somebody on the Lincoln side had to agree to that. Um, and ultimately Lincoln reluctantly, but he did sign off on it. You know, he's, he he's had the ultimate say and he honored that agreement. Um, so, you know, he was not above making that deal again. We've talked about this on the show a hundred times but like the political genius of lincoln is or or lincoln's genius was was in his as a politician right so this was a purely political move and had he not done it we've you know seward may well have won the nomination or may have gone to bates or, or or chase you know who knows who would have emerged on that second or third ballot uh in chicago in 1860 uh because pennsylvania was um you know, big state, right? Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, among other places. So, um, so very, very influential. And, um, and Cameron was, you know, pretty widely known to be corrupt, but made that deal and, and it wasn't a huge secret and and Lincoln honored it.
1: Yeah. Lincoln did. And it was very reluctantly that Lincoln honors him being, having a cabinet position. So, um, you know, this Cameron and-
2: fella reminds me of another Canadian uh, the great edge who is uh, is a wrestler from Wrestling. WWE That's wonderful. Uh, when he was going uh, in one of his best runs that he had he was a heel which is a bad guy and he was known as the ultimate opportunist um, and he was not above you know um, some shady some you know some shady business like uh, mr. Cameron here and when he saw an opportunity to rise, he took advantage of it, and I think uh, this Cameron fella is reminding me of the great Canadian hero Edge as the ultimate opportunist here. But just like all heels, it eventually comes back and bites you in the ass
1: it because does. the face,
2: the face always goes over.
1: Yeah, to the point where you get sent to Russia.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you know, he, his corruption really never stopped ever.
1: It didn't. And he never,
0: there was, I don't think he really ever had a negative consequence. And honestly, I don't think, and we're, and we're going to get to this here in a second. I don't think he was fired because of his corruption. He was fired because of his ineptitude. Exactly. Like he was corrupt from the beginning of his political career to the end. And not once did he have a negative consequence truly because of it. um, Really at all. Um, So, you know, that good old fashioned machine politician that, that, was very successful at it. Um, and had he just done his job granted probably other than Abraham Lincoln's job, the, the most difficult job arguably, uh, is, is trying to run the logistical side and the financial side of, of the war effort. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe the, maybe the mistake was made when they gave him war instead of interior or, you know, um, postmaster or something. I mean, there weren't that many cabinet positions. Now there's what? There's like, man, there's, I don't even know how many there are, 20? It's a lot. Um, But then there was like 10 or 11. So, Um, so, -hmm. but war of all the ones to get, you know, of all the ones to do the political agreement on um, giving him war, of course, you know, who knows what, you know, you know, Seward was such a huge advisor and Seward did not handle foreign policy alone. So you know, they, they were the de facto staff in many ways as well.
1: No, they, they definitely, yeah, they definitely were. Um, And Cameron goes into this role as secretary of war with, as you said, like he's got the bad reputation already. And there was opposition to him having this role from Illinois, from New York, and even from Pennsylvania, his own state is like, don't, (laughs) don't make this guy secretary of war. You know, and, but Lincoln has to, right? Like,
2: mm-hmm. cause if
1: he, he goes back on it, like what, like what could that have done to Lincoln if he's like, nah, I'm not going to make this guy secretary of war now, even though he's throwing all these votes my way, you know?
0: Yeah. The next time you got to make a shady deal, nobody's going to trust you. So, you know, you got to be honest in your dishonesty apparently to to make it work in, you know, mid 19th century politics.
1: Exactly. And um, so, Don, um, David Herbert Donald, in his biography about Link- Lincoln, states of Cameron's reputation that his reputation was not spotless, and but it was not altogether negative. Like Lincoln always had a fondness for slightly damaged characters, like Mark Delahay, Ward Hill Lehman, and William H. Hurden. and apparently Lincoln and Cameron did get along. So I think this might be a case of Lincoln, like, okay, I know you've got a bad reputation, but I'm seeing something in you that might work for me. And we also see this um, with how he is with certain generals in the Civil War, like with McClellan, how long he keeps McClellan in. And the same with um, Joseph Hooker. Like he actually says to Hooker at one point, like Hooker says, I don't want to do this anymore. And Lincoln's like, well, I see potential in you. I gave McClellan how many chances I'm willing to give you another, you know, he see, he sees stuff in people that others might not see and he feels like he needs to give them a chance and I wonder if this was the case with Cameron that he's like okay this guy is corrupt but you know he seems to be like you know he doesn't like slavery um and he seems halfway intelligent so he might be a good person to have on my my cabinet and when you look kind of ahead to who he puts in Cameron's place Stanton Stanton was also an abolitionist so he's his next secretary of war is an abolitionist too. And you got to wonder if that is factoring into Lincoln's decision here with, with having Cameron as his secretary of war.
0: Yeah. And I think that the, just, just the way, I mean, Stanton being, you know, just so effective with having the combination of being brilliant and extremely hardworking, you know, I think that the, the job, you know, it's not as if they had a Pentagon full of, you know, not not just military brass, but like the folks who keep the operation running, you know, keep the organization going like they, they did not have that. So you, you take an organization from, you know, tens of thousands of people, maybe to, you know, half a million all over the place and engaged in active war. Um, and then, you know, have somebody who's, you know, a political appointee who doesn't really seem to care all that much. Um you know, that that's a big deal. So I mean I think, yeah, and in hindsight it was a terrible decision. But then again, um firing him wasn't easy either. Like, you know, there was a risk in firing him. I think the fact he didn't even last a year. And really, you know, he's Secretary of War in a crucial time for sure because it's the it's the build up, it's the armament, it's the you know, figuring out how we're how we're gonna, you know, take that, you know, very small standing army. To the size it was, but the you know as far as battles go, you know, eighteen sixty one wasn't nearly as, um, as action packed, right as eighteen sixty two. And he was already out of office, um, out of you know he he had been fired already in, in just January of eighteen sixty two. So he's essentially there for you know seven eight months, and um, and Lincoln goes goes ahead and fires him, and there's not a whole lot happening in November December really, in 1861.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, um, like, in one book by John Waugh called "Reelecting Lincoln, he describes Lincoln and Cameron as being kind of, like, sort of an odd couple because you have, like, Lincoln who's not corrupt and Cameron who who's very corrupt. But then again, you look at, like, Lincoln and Stanton. Stanton doesn't really have a sense of humor, and Lincoln does. And the two of them, it's quite clear, uh, you know, by the end of Lincoln's presidency and unfortunately the end of his life, that the two of them are very good friends. Like the, you know, kind of the, the yin and the yang. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Cameron has the experience of working with large groups of people, which, um, was argued by white was one of the reasons that Lincoln thought, okay, I'll give this guy a chance because Cameron is the one that has to equip the war department. um, full of people, you know, and he's got to build up a department that is basically from it's basically from scratch, right? Because you go from not fighting a war to suddenly fighting a war. And you don't have like, you're not going to have the employees that you need, right? It's kind of like what we're experiencing in the pandemic where, you know, there's certain areas that we need really heavily staffed in the pandemic that when it's not a pandemic, they're not staffed and suddenly you're having to scramble. So it's the same with like, you know, the civil war. Um, So, but Lincoln White says quickly recognized that the secretary of war had been handed the most difficult task of all. He inherited a woefully small department that was expected to support a huge and growing army. Um, And in April of 1861. So this is when Cameron is, you know, just new to the job the War Department was made up of eight bureaus staffed by around 90 employees using an out-of-date system of record-keeping. I can't imagine what an out-of-date system of record-keeping would be in April of 1861 when I think of where we're at now. So they just didn't have any? Or it was maybe just... Like, what, were they writing on clay tablets? Like, yeah. what, what, are we back in, like, the days of Mesopotamia? Yeah, <laughs>
0: like that's, yeah, that's, I don't like, know. That's when I read that. Was I'm like, just, what, you know, disorganized what the and hell's going on? You
1: know? yeah.
0: Well, I I do think, you know, going back to the political appointments and corruption, like Montgomery Blair wasn't exactly the most up and up appointment either. No, not like, let's
1: face it. They all kind of they probably had their all had their moments.
0: Sure. And that's, you know, and I think that, you know, as we try to compare the history to now, um, you know, the, the Cameron appointment and the Blair appointments, you know, when you get influential politicians from Pennsylvania and Missouri, um, basically, the established, you know, a, a big state in the east and a, in the frontier, um, you got two wings of the party, you know, in an abolitionist, and then in a, in a, you know, the conservative wing of the party. Like it was definitely playing politics. Um, I think that's one thing that, that Joe Biden has really, for the most part, avoided, and you know, really in an unprecedented way, uh, when you have the previous president appointing, you know. Um, um, like Rick Perry, who literally campaigned on dis- on eliminating the Department of Energy to lead the Department of Energy. And um, the name is escaping me for housing and urban development, the doctor, Ben... Uh, Carson. Carson, thank you. Um, you know, he was a very, very brilliant physician and surgeon, but, you know, he's now not, not Health and Human Services, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. You know, so, like, it's not as if political – and political appointments to the cabinet have happened forever, right? Ever since, you know, uh, Andrew Jackson's to the Victor Goes the Spoils and the Kitchen Cabinet and all that stuff. Um, So it's nothing new, but in this particular case with Simon Cameron, his corruption was – the corruption angle, it wasn't just a deal of – you know, because it's corrupt enough to say, like, hey, I'll get these delegates for you. You give me a cushy job and we're good. You know, it it was – that and I'm going to make money off of this, uh, and I'm going to, you know, curry, you know, I'm going to do appointments based in, uh, you know, on the same way, kickbacks, perhaps, but definitely, he definitely had some pretty shady financial dealings too. So,
1: mm-hmm. and um, like Cameron again, he's he's had some shady dealings in his past, um, and he struggles in this role of Secretary of War. And to the point where he's asking Sam and Chase for help. And Chase is the one that drafts the order on May 3rd and to, to enlarge the army. So he's having to bring in other cabinet members to help him. Um, and Cameron is said to be not the most organized person. Um, like White said that he seemed to run his growing department with records he kept in his head or in his pockets. But that's not unlike Lincoln, right? Like Lincoln would put kept notes in his hat right so i you know i don't know if it's fair to say that here's cameron he's really unorganized when the president is kind of doing the same thing right like i mean how else that's probably what i think the difference though is what yeah but
0: there may be a uh, Lincoln as a quirk and Cameron as a, you know, effort to not leave a tr- paper trail. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe you don't want to leave a paper trail on this. Mm-hmm. But
0: So to get a little bit more specific into like the specific, because, you know, he was Secretary of War for a short time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but the um, the one of the scandals or the scandal during 1861 was the B&O Railroad scandal, which is a pretty fascinating little scandal because you can see how good he was at being corrupt, uh, because he was, it was not something that he did. It was something that he did not do. So, you know, the railroads were obviously very important to the union war effort. And it was a huge distinct advantage that the union had over the confederacy with, which was well-developed railroads So the union army and the federal government agreed to protect the railroads, um, for very mutually beneficial reasons, like we protect your railroad, your business keeps operating. You let us protect your railroad; we can move troops and soldiers, or troops and uh, supplies, and everything else. Um, so, Cameron very, very well known to have many, many friends in the railroad world. Um, you know, including relatives that were high up in different railroad companies. He just does not. He just simply fails to protect the B and O railroad. So he protects all the other railroads, um, he meaning, you know, using the War Department to dispatch troops to protect um, every other major railroad and just ignores B&O. And so Jackson Stone, you know, Stonewall Jackson bombed one over by Harper's Ferry. Um, he seized another depot or um, workstation for the railroad um, in Martinsburg, um, which is, um, in West, what is now West Virginia, but which was in Virginia. Um, and basically I think they kind of noticed like, wow, if it's a B and O one, they just, we can just take it. (laughs) So, um, so that was a clear, you know, pretty clear corruption where you can see the pattern, like everybody else is getting rich. The worse B and O does the more business of getting food and stuff to and from the frontier following the other railroads. Um, then I don't know what the other railroads are, but I would guess, what are they? Uh, Redding, pennsylvania what is, yeah. it's O's one of, i'm yeah, there's a whole bunch about, of different ones in the I know, i'm making i'm making time. a monopoly joke <laughs> yeah, I, just, <laughs> yeah, I, I just screwed it up
1: i saw i saw O railroad and i'm like are we playing monopoly <laughs> like, here
0: so so lincoln says do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars so that was kind of the, the the well-known scandal where lincoln could have something to point to to say here is a scandal. And it was a nice little scandal because it combined the other thing that he did, which was he didn't do much of anything as Secretary of War. So he used his very well developed skill of not doing much to not do much in a corrupt way, um, while enriching other railroads, um, which, you know, as far as like a paper trail or whether or not he made a huge financial gain from this whole thing isn't really as well known as um, is it is that he had clear allies in the other railroads who did do very well. So how favors got returned and was there an exchange of money and all that kind of stuff? Really, there had to be something like, he, you know, this is clearly corrupt and he's clearly benefiting people who are known to be his allies. Um, and it may have just have been something where he's had the allies ship with them and they're now making more money. Whether or not there was an actual kickback isn't, isn't really known. And I don't think Lincoln really cared. It was the corruption had happened and and it was time to let him go. Um, so when he let him go, he said, congratulations. You're now the U S minister to Russia, um, which was a post that he held for what? Three, four months. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I can't imagine he actually went to Russia in those days. If you only held the post for, for three or four months and he was succeeded and preceded by the same person, Cassius Clay, not the boxer. Um, so, so yeah, so when you hear that, and that's kind of where I had thought the end of the story was, was that, you know, okay, he, you know, we can't kick him out completely, so you give him this, you know, demotion by promotion or whatever, you know, the transfer that he only has for a few months. He goes back to the Senate um, in 1867, so he he's his career is fine, and... Um, so he serves for another ten years, and who does he choose to succeed him when he decides to resign from the Senate?
1: His, kid. his own
0: son. So, um, so his son takes over for him uh, as as a U.S. senator, um, which is a nice nice little um, interesting fact. But before that, while Cameron was a senator who voted on cabinet appointments, he got he convinced Ulysses Grant to appoint his own son, Simon Cameron's son to secretary of war. So it's not as if he took this scourge of being a corrupt politician with him forever. Now he's known as a corrupt politician, but he just kept on going, went to the Senate, got a pretty, you know, got the literal same cabinet position for his son. um, And then gave a Senate seat to his son.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, he's very, he's quite corrupt along the way. And like, there's some Jeremy told, uh, talked about the, the B and O railroad scandal, but there's also another reason that Cameron is removed. And that's because he actually wanted to, he was a little bit too quick in Lincoln's eyes with wanting to emancipate the slaves and arm them. And that's another reason is he just got way, way too ahead. Like we're talking about a guy who like Cameron clearly was, uh, an abolitionist and, um, he completely breaks with Lincoln and he openly advocates for emancipating the slaves and arming them um, in, in the union army at a time when Lincoln was not publicly ready to take that position. And in December of 1861, he said, those who make war against the government justly for, forfeit all rights of property, privilege, and security derived from the constitution and the laws against which they are in armed rebellion. And as the labor and service of their slaves constitute the chief property of the rebels, such property should share the common fate of war to which they have devoted the property of loyal citizens. It is clearly as the right of the government to arm slaves when it may become necessary as it is to use gunpowder or guns taken from the enemy." So Cameron is saying like if we have slaves that have been emancipated or taken back when we're you know doing battles or whatever that we have the right to arm them and that is too much for Lincoln and I think that is what factors more into his decision to again he's not he's quote unquote firing him right um but as you said Jeremy he's dem- kind of just this demotion like I'm not firing you we're going to give you another position because the one you're in doesn't quite fit fit you. I I don't think it's as much that like the B and O railway scandal is bad, but this from a political standpoint and the standpoint of the civil war and what Lincoln needs, what Cameron says, I think this is what does him in is the, the arming of the slaves wanting to do yeah,
0: that. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it's not the position itself. Like, you know, yeah. I think that's important to know too. And, and you mentioned it, Mary too. Like it's not that he believed that it's that he basically essentially broke with Lincoln. Yeah. Or at least publicly the, 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 the optics of it were you've broken publicly with the administration with the, at you know, a fairly radical idea. Yeah. Whereas Lincoln of course was like, if you do that now, the whole thing's going to be lost. Yeah. Like, like maryland kentucky missouri they're just not going to support armed black people right exactly. um so w- whatever for whatever that's worth you know that's lincoln knew that um so it was not as much like your your opinion of enslavement is too radical it was shut up <laughs> stay in yeah. your lane um, go back to being corrupt and not doing anything and quit running your mouth about this because you're undermining the, the administration. Um, because Chase felt the same way and kept his mouth shut. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the inner circle throughout Washington, I mean, it wasn't a secret. Yeah, that and Chase that. had He's his own scandals. His like
1: off. all Lincoln's cabinet members have their own little scandals, much like Cameron does with his little B and O thing. Right. But when it comes to this, like, you know, abolition, arming, arming slaves and all that and emancipation that is where Lincoln at this point in the war is having to be like, Whoa, like, as you said, stay in your lane. Right. And you see this later on with, with other things that happen, like, um, you know, who was it? Was it Fremont out in the West that wanted to like, he had his own little abolition thing going on. And Lincoln's like, no, we're not doing that right now. We can't, we're not like, that's not good politically. Right. So, you see this happening. And I think, you know, this is what is Lincoln's like. No, this guy's can't have him in this position right now.
2: Yeah. Well, Puster, and yeah. Go ahead, Nick. Plus, it was early in his, you know, administration. And he's fighting. These guys not only had scandals, they had egos. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them felt that they were more deserving than Lincoln and that Lincoln, like, um, yeah, that they were more deserving than Lincoln to be in that position um, because, you know, we Lincoln kind of comes out – no, he doesn't come out of nowhere. But um, they just felt like they were – do I don't know if they were owed that spot or whatever, however you want to look at it. And he's fighting this with a lot of them. A lot of them are going against stuff he's saying at the beginning here. And then I think Cameron, you know, he just got too much in the negative column here. And eventually Lincoln knew that he, he – Lincoln's smart. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, Lincoln knows how to lead and he knew that he had to give one of the axe here to really send a message to the others too I think is part of what's going on um, with Cameron
0: I, yeah. yeah that's a
1: good that point did, Nick
0: yeah that's a great yeah I agree like and I think that often that the cabinet choices get so simplified I mean Team of Rivals was like a 700 page book and it's brilliant and great and everything else but like a lot of folks just look at the title and then like, Oh yeah, he, he, cause he invited political rivals into his cabinet. Like it was so much more than just being smart enough to have that vision. Like it was a pretty big risk.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: you know, there's no way that he would have been able to know Seward was going to have the humility to, to take the role as he did, to be the advisor, to be the secretary of state, like to, to give up the, the spotlight. Like, he didn't know that that, I mean, he, had, I'm sure he had a pretty, you know, educated guess for sure. But like, how are you going to know, you know, like they, they had met maybe a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cameron was one who, you know, wasn't, wasn't going to see that relationship as what it should be. Um, and, and he was just in a too big of a position to, to do anything, you know, to do it. I think chase, chase is a great example of um, kind of the middle where he did fight it. And he did, he was reluctant to, to go along, and and he did not, you know, his his uh, disrespect was pretty apparent. But Lincoln was able to manage through it, and and they were able to to make it through, you know, mm-hmm. well, with, without a great relationship.
1: Well, Lincoln, it, in what he does with Chase near the end of his presidency, with with giving him what is it, Supreme Court justice, mm-hmm. to get him out of the cabinet, so he's not on there because of what happened with the election. Mm -hmm. but still it's like what so what white says that with cameron lincoln doesn't fire him but it's he gives him another position to save his dignity so that's that's what lincoln later is going to do with chase is save his dignity um and what happens with cameron is lincoln writes him a brief letter on january 11th informing him that he will be minister of Russia, but what Lincoln doesn't do is he doesn't include any recognition of Cameron as Secretary of War. And Cameron was pretty upset about this. And I think that's, you know, I, I think I would be too, because I would probably be blind to anything. that I'd, I'd be like, what did I do wrong? I was Secretary of War, you know. Um, and he actually goes to tell Chase this. And that's who he was closest with on the cabinet. And Cameron eventually tells Lincoln, you know, how he feels. And Lincoln writes him, my personal regard for you, my confidence in your ability, patriotism and fidelity to public trust. You know, like Lincoln says, I do, you know, think you're a good person. Um, and then obviously he, we don't know if like, you know, not in the position for very long. He's minister to Russia. Um, Lincoln. Well-
2: I think Lincoln's not Lincoln's dumb either. I mean, yeah, exactly. Neither is Cameron. I think Cameron realized he was probably in over his head, got himself in enough trouble here. Mm-hmm. Lincoln realized he can't just, you know, Stone Cold just cut him and leave him out to dry because yeah. he does have a lot of influence in Pennsylvania and plays a big role in his nomination yeah. there. So, I mean, Lincoln had political gain to do this. He, he you know, and Lincoln's ultimate politician for good and bad. And he knows that, hey, you know, I got to give him a way out of this so he can still have um, a lifeline, which he uses, as we've already mentioned, uh, until pretty much the day he dies. Um, So, you know, Lincoln Lincoln's playing politics here, um, you know, to keep because and we know that's a big influence on Lincoln. He's always trying to think about how can I keep the support during this war effort here and keep my party together. Um, so I'm sure that had to influence his decision and, you know, the reason why he gave the lifeline.
1: Well, I think it definitely did because, I mean, he he's recognizing, I think, with this whole like arming the slaves that that Cameron is somebody who is an abolitionist. And it, probably mm-hmm. at that point, Lincoln knows that that's where the, this war is going, you know, even this early on, but, right? Like he's going to need the abolitionists on his side. And if he is just like, I'm going to fire Cameron, that is not going to look good politically at all all for him, especially when Cameron is friends with someone like Sam and Chase. Like, what is that going to do? So he's got to do something that's politically, you know, good. And that's, well, we're going to make you minister to Russia, you know? So, and it's the same thing that he does with Chase later on in the war with making him, you know, like putting him on the Supreme Court. Um, and Cameron...
2: Oh, the way you said that reminded me of like Office Space when they moved the guy into the basement. Oh, yeah. I know, I
1: know who you mean we too. My stapler. Where, where, where's, where's my stapler? Where's, where's my stapler? Where's sta- my stapler?
2: Sta- <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> I worked at an office one time where somebody had a red stapler. <laughs> Every time I saw it, I yeah.
0: laughed. Nick and I worked with Milton himself.
1: <laughs> what? Oh God! <laughs> I need to watch can't that movie talk about again. It, though. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody uh, see my stapler? Um, that was simon cameron that' the building on fire
0: um yeah except yeah um yeah and it actually gets mentioned the office and then i completely <laughs> lost my train of thought um i, I do think that there is at this point in history more than any the transition from like the ceremonial like honorific mm-hmm. you know i mean they were never totally honorific but you know Hamilton's work as the secretary of the treasury was just considerably different than, you know, whoever the secretary of the interior was. And there was an element in various administrations more than others of it being more of an honorific, like, oh, you're the secretary of, you know, whatever random department, like, you know, you're close to the president, you're an advisor, but like, is, are you running like a giant government agency or are you, you know, do you have the title that you are when it's, you know, kind of run by people who are there president after president? Um, and I think Cameron may have thought that it was going to be something a little less intense because when he when he did end up getting fired or resigned or whatever, I don't think Cameron was really, really. um efficacious i don't know not efficacious uh, effusive about you know i'm doing a great job this is this is bull like i'm i'm working super hard and and we're, we're doing great like i think there was a lot of like yeah you're probably right like this yeah it's, this isn't you know you know like when you get dumped and you realize like you probably weren't the best partner like yeah you make a very good point like this yeah this isn't working out very well you know so
1: exactly yeah like look like Lincoln's loyalty like there was one quote that i found like Lincoln's loyalty was a strong character trait that sometimes overrode his judgment so i think he was mm-hmm. kind of waiting for the person to like get better mhm somehow when we see this like again you know it goes back to like the generals McClellan mhm um Hooker Burn Burnside spe- Burnside's the one where i really shake my head at like what was that about mhm you know he like Burnside was never going to like Burnside had very short time in command, but you know, somebody like hooker where Lincoln's like, I will give you another chance. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think this, this particular case with Cameron is you can't, you can't overlook that Stanton was there too. Like, yeah, we've kind of talked about this before that feeling. Like when I was coaching, I used to be a soccer coach. Like you'd see a player make a mistake and you get super mad. You turn to your bench and like, realize that like, I don't really have anybody on the bench that I can put in right now. So then you're like, all right, well, don't do it again. You know, like there's, there's that sometimes where it's like, yeah, this person keeps screwing up, but what am I, I don't have anybody. There's no Mm -hmm. one else to put in there. Well, in this case, it's like, yeah, Cameron's corrupt and not doing anything and he's doing a lousy job. And I've got someone that's going to do a great job. Yeah. Probably, you know, Stanton's brilliant. He's hardworking, you know, he's, he's got what we need. Um, I think Lincoln saw that in Stanton and it was, um, you know, a completely different, appointment because stanton i believe was a democrat wasn't he and Hmm. um like much more of a rival than um than the the, those who are also vying for the republican nomination
1: Hmm. but wasn't stanton an abolitionist too
0: yeah i might be wrong on that no he was yeah no he was a democrat in in
1: 1862
0: and then he became a republican yeah he
1: he was he really got on sherman about the way sherman treated um the just how the slaves were treated on the march to the sea with the Ebenezer Creek and all that like he was very much like I think he was a lot like Cameron in his thinking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that way but yeah like Cameron like even after he left like just because the way he and Lincoln parted at first was not not great you know how Lincoln is like not acknowledging his, sec- time, his secretary time as secretary war but then Lincoln does acknowledge it um mm-hmm. Cameron does maintain a deep appreciation for Lincoln and he keeps in touch with him And he actually helps Lincoln out a little bit during the Civil War. In July of 1863, after the Battle of Gettysburg, uh, Confederate General Isaac Trimble has to have his leg amputated. And because of the state that he's in, when the Confederates have to retreat, they have to leave, leave him in a Union hospital, which means he gets taken prisoner. So he spends some time... At Johnson's Island in Lake Erie, which in the winter, I would not want to be there. Um, And he's also at Fort Warren. But when it comes up, when it's time for him to be paroled, Simon Cameron gets wind of this. And he writes to Lincoln and he says, don't parole him. He knows too much about our railways, which is true. Trimble had worked on the railways prior to being in the Civil War. Um, So... Trimble is not paroled until after Lee's surrender in April of 1865 for that reason. So Lincoln still trusts his opinion about stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, you know, political bosses, no politics just because they're not the, uh, you know, their scruples are a little in the wrong place. Mm, So, so anyway, so um, we are getting close to time. So um, thank you, uh, Nick and Mary for your, uh taking us through Simon Cameron, Nick had a little bit of technical issues. so, um, so, so <laughs> we'd also on like mute to right now, actually. We'd also like to thank Comcast for, for their contributions to today's show. <laughs> um, so uh, we do have two weekly features that we do typically that, uh, believe it or not, I am ill-prepared for. So um, our first is Of the People by the People, where we talk about mm-hmm. a social media post or something along those lines uh, that we liked. So Mary or Nick, do you have one of
2: those? Oh, I'm just right i can go okay go nick uh david kent has been uh pretty much running the rail splitter uh facebook page so um this isn't necessarily about one in particular post but he uh he's just been doing a lot of writing and mm-hmm. posting stuff so uh david kent we've had on here um on the show um as a guest and he has a blog, and there's been a lot of writing on there and a lot of good posting just about Lincoln, McClellan I one of the posts, some of the ironclads from um, the Civil War. Yep. So this also provides me an opportunity to plug the Rail Splitter, uh Facebook group up to 108, uh, 102 members. So great place here to share um, your thoughts on anything Lincoln. So great place to find current Lincoln news too. People are always posting in it. So thank you to not only David Kent, but to everybody else posting in there. You guys are awesome. You rock.
1: I have one. For- go for it.
2: Yeah, I got one. So, I did I do have one, but go ahead, yeah.
1: Um it was so it was Kevin P. Brigger on our Twitter page. He just said, Here you go at Real Splitter Pod and he retweeted Presidential Trivia did Millard Fillmore with that animation thing with a picture of Millard uh-huh. Fillmore.
0: <laughs> it turned out it was just Alec Baldwin.
1: Uh, no, it was that like, there's that historical, you can take a historical no, picture. I've seen that. Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, no, it was yeah, Millard yeah, Fillmore. Cool. So I'm about yeah. to tag Nick in it.
0: Nice. Nice. So my, uh, my posts, I've seen several of these today and I've enjoyed all of them um but i don't know if you noticed uh there was a little bit of a hullabaloo over on uh, because of fox news so the president president biden re- released uh in his administration the the defense department released um, some information that they eased uh eased restrictions on um you know when when in military dress different hairstyles that are acceptable and they've created um maternity uniforms like so pilots uh, and, others, and others who are um, pregnant can can serve in uniform with a uniform that's maternity clothes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and surprising absolutely no one, Tucker Carlson uh, said something horrible and sexist and hateful and stupid and um, very on brand for him um, about it, you know, being more inclusive for, or basically he made a comment about pregnant women going to war. This is a disgrace to the military. So Twitter, Answered the call as Twitter does, and has been posting really, really cool photographs and accounts and examples of women serving in the military. Uh, so I just picked one. Civil War humor um, has a has a photo the um, the regimental flag bearer. Or one of the regimental flag bears at at Bull Run uh, was a woman who is clearly a badass. Um, and there's a photo of her in uniform next to. Um, little little boy Tucker with his bow tie, <laughs> um, basically saying, uh, you know, this one of these people carried a regimental flag at Bull Run, and the other guy voted off Dancing with the Stars one week after a humiliating <laughs> after one week of humiliating cha-cha. Um, but there's been a ton of them. You know, some folks mentioned that um, um, Harry Tubman had a full military funeral for doing her part in, very much in the war against enslavement so and there's been a lot of others so I liked those very much um, and then our last weekly feature of course is This Week in Lincoln where we talk about where Lincoln has shown up somewhere outside of the context of history do we have one of those Mary or Nick
2: I thought Mary was bringing it to the-
0: would
1: I be bringing
2: it
0: I'm sure we. there's one well anyway keep sending
1: them to us how would I be bringing
2: I was just deflecting blame off of me, and being that you're everybody's favorite, I feel like you can hand, handle the blame more for not having it, um, because then nobody will be mad at you. Wow, because,
1: thanks. So now I have that, to go frantically check the social medias.
2: No, no, well, you just you just go, oh, I thought I did Nick, and I didn't, and then we move on with the uh, No, we don't actually move on show. from
1: that.
0: <laughs> now, now that we've... Uh, we've
1: but, uh,
2: Shown our, showing our cards here.
0: Oh, you know what? We do want to say, um, there is Lincoln news. I, we normally start the show with this, um, but the Abraham Lincoln presidential library, uh, and museum. And I'm, I'm really upset at myself for not bringing this up at the beginning of yeah. the show. Uh, we have a new executive director of the ALPLM, uh, and her name is I'm assuming Dr. Um, Christina shut. Um, who now will be running the, uh, the museum, which is awesome because they need good leadership after going through what they've gone through. They do. Um, so um, she's, she's the fifth executive director um, and she is going to bring a fresh voice. She's early in her career. So hopefully she'll be there for a while. Um, and she's coming to the, to Illinois from Arkansas so um, this is very exciting in Lincoln land where we're going to get a fresh perspective, I think. Um, and I think you'll start, hopefully, I think you may see the, the, the ALPLM going in a new direction. Um, and, and the news we share from there, hopefully will no longer be um, scandals and we'll keep saying stuff like uh, cool stuff Christian's doing and cool stuff that the new executive director's doing. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of really, really good people down there. And, and now it looks like they've got some really strong, Strong leaderships, so leadership, so in the chairman chairs uh the executive director's chair, so I, congratulations, and we look forward to seeing what Christina Shutt does with the facility.
2: I think I might have it this week in Lincoln. I have an item for you guys that you might want to purchase all right, we're gonna have to pull our money together though because oh, it's approximately sixteen thousand dollars. Oh,
1: what the hell it's on
2: it? eBay. It's on We're eBay. A short. It's a life-size Abraham Lincoln posing wax statue movie star prop display.
1: That's not creepy at all. <laughs> Whoa. All <right>. Okay. No, nope. <laughs> I don't need wow, that, in my that, house. that. I'm was, sorry.
2: Nope. Yeah. That's Dude, weird. I, I need this in my classroom. I I so, I might pay 13 for that, but I don't know. 16 seems a little steep. That's 15900 if that changes your mind at all. <laughs> uh, you can purchase this on eBay. So, Would um, you dress them
1: up at Christmas like with a Santa hat and Christmas lights uh, and stuff?
0: I do that to the busts of Lincoln I have. <laughs> um, oh, right. I had a This Week in Lincoln too. And I'm going to have it a, 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 a again tomorrow. Um, I was in a Zoom uh, watching someone, one of my classmates actually, defend his dissertation. And I had a Lincoln bust like in almost the exact same spot as someone else on the Zoom had theirs.
1: Nice.
0: Um, yeah. It was. It was. It was interesting.
1: I can tell you um, that does not happen in my Zoom meetings because I'm in Canada. So unless I'm recording, unless I'm recording my Civil War podcast, so
2: I get. I wanted to post like a Who wore it better, but I didn't. That doesn't happen in my meetings because none of the kids have their cameras on. <laughs> It's, and it's, it's icons. And then oh. I told them, I go, you could at least change your icons once a week, <laughs> or at least have a cool icon. I go to one kid, I'm like, I don't want to see your initial. I want a cool icon up there. Give me. And, he, and he wasn't there, so he kept going. are You there? Is that? Yeah. There? And then yeah, he didn't hear me. My favorite, <laughs> my favorites when you get the report back and it says the kid's been on there six hours. Yeah, they yeah. fell asleep so um,
0: all right well we will whoa. let everyone get on with their podcasting listening <laughs> uh whatever's next in your queue but anyway thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it um we are enjoying coming at you bi-weekly and hopefully we'll we'll ramp that up a little bit here once we get into the spring but until then for Railsplitter mary and Railsplitter nick i am Railsplitter jeremy reminding you to continue to walk the world of malice toward none and charity for all and we will see you soon